Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. Now, we have studied the first division of the book, which took us through the creation and the fall, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Seth, Enoch and Methuselah, Noah and Nimrod, down to the 10th chapter, the 11th chapter. And then the second division of the book started in the 12th chapter, and we said it covers at least the history of four men, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. Of course, when we study those characters, we'll find other people involved with them, but basically the last division of the book, if you'll study the life of Abraham, the life of Isaac, the life of Jacob, and the life of Joseph, you will have covered to the 50th chapter of Genesis. And the reason I'm covering it this way is that I want you to get a grip of uh, the whole book and be able in your mind to look back and say, even now I hope you can look back and say, well, we've studied the fall, we've studied the flood, we studied about Adam and Eve, we studied about Cain and Abel, we studied about Seth, the godly line, we studied about uh, Enoch and Methuselah and Noah and Nimrod and Abraham so far. And when you get these characters in your mind, well, then you can uh, kind of sum up in your mind the book of Genesis. It would be good for me to be able to give you a, a grip of the whole Bible this way so that you can, uh, when someone asks you what the book of Genesis is about, you can say, well, it's about the fall, the flood, so on and so forth, and you can just sum it up. Get it in your mind. And that's my purpose. And I hope that purpose works out for your uh, knowledge and your learning. And, of course, uh, there's the details that uh, you can fill in as we go along, and I will give you some details. Look at Genesis chapter 22, if you will, please. Beginning with verse 1. It says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. That means he tested him or tried him. And said unto Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. You know, wouldn't it be wonderful if when God speaks to us, we say, Here I am. I'm ready. Whatever you have to say, I'm ready to do it. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. And this was the only legitimate son of Abraham, because Ishmael was the son of the bondwoman, if you remember. And get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him therefore a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Now this land of Moriah is, of course, around Jerusalem. And the mountains, and let me read a scripture for you in the book of Second Chronicles chapter 3, where Solomon built a temple. In Second Chronicles 3, verse 1, Then Solomon began to build a house of the Lord at Jerusalem in Mount Moriah. At Jerusalem in Mount Moriah. And remember when God said to Abraham, not the place that Solomon built the temple, but on, upon one of the mountains, he says, offer them therefore a burnt sacrifice, a burnt offering, offer up Isaac. So this mountain was evidently Mount Calvary, where later on Jesus was offered up as a sacrifice, because this would be one of the mountains in that area. And of course, uh, there's a lot of, of proof, and even here in the 22nd chapter of Genesis, it says, In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. I can't think of a, a, another mountain that would be more properly called the mount of the Lord than the place where Jesus was offered on Mount Calvary for our a sacrifice for our sins. But let's go on down. It says uh, in verse 3, And Abraham, hold your place where we're studying always, even if I give you a reference outside of that. Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes 
and saw the place afar off. You know, if we were to, to detail this study, the two men that went with him, the third day, the two men were evidently witnesses that were around the offering up of the son of Abraham, and yet they could only go so far, and they might represent even the two witnesses there when Jesus, the two thieves on either side, not that it holds, stands on all fours, but I'm just showing you something, because they could go no further than uh, what Abraham and Isaac had to do privately. In other words, in the sacrifice of God the Son on the cross of Calvary, uh, there may be an outside of it that was seen, but that which transpired between God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son of God could not be seen by the others. And so they only went a certain distance as far as the sacrifice was concerned. And there's typical meaning all through. The number three, the third day, represents the death, burial, and resurrection. Three in the scriptures always in, indicative of that. And also the Trinity being involved in the in the whole sacrifice. But we won't go into all those detailed uh, anatypical studies or the typical studies and show you the anatype because it would take all of our time to just cover this one passage. But there is a lot there if you want to look at it from that standpoint. If you look in verse 4, it says, Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again unto you. I want you to notice that. Abraham knew that here was the first indication that God was going to require a human sacrifice. Abraham here is a picture of God the Father offering up his only begotten son. Abraham pictures God the Father. Isaac pictures God the Son. This sacrifice pictures the fact that, that uh, Christ would be resurrected because Abraham said, I and the lad will go yonder and worship, now listen, and come again unto you. Come again unto you. That's the resurrection. And in Hebrews 11, it says that Abraham by faith offered up Isaac as a burnt offering, as a sacrifice, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he, God, received him in a figure. In other words, God believed that it was uh, that uh, Abraham had actually surrendered the and offered up his son, and, and uh, Abraham believed that God would raise him back up. And he was received back in a figure. And so when it says, I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you, Abraham was saying, uh, we're going up there, I'm going to offer up, I'm going to do what God has said, offer up Isaac as a burnt sacrifice, a burnt offering, and God's going to raise him up because God has already said, In thy seed shall all families of the earth be blessed, and we'll come back down here again. My what faith. Is there ever in the Bible, I wonder if there's ever anyone that was so severely tried as Abraham at this particular time. Can you imagine a hum human being being called up to take his only son and offer him up as a burnt sacrifice? And, of course, we know the typical meaning. We've already pointed that out. But uh, what I'm saying is that it was certainly a test of his faith. And yet, look how strong his faith, faith was. He says, we're going up there. I'm going to do what God has said, and we're going to come back again. We'll go yonder and worship. And the only way God could be worshipped was through what? Sacrifice. Through sacrifice. The only way God can be approached today and worshipped is through sacrifice. And that's the sacrifice of his only begotten son. A lot of people pretend to worship God in various other ways, but that's the only one that's acceptable in the sight of God. And then it says in verse uh, 6, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. 
and took the fire in his hand and the knife, and they went both of them together. It shows the one accordness of the father and the son in this. Uh, actually, Isaac was not just a little boy at this time. If you remember, uh, when Abraham, uh, when Isaac uh, was born, Ishmael was 13 years old. And by now, uh, Isaac had become a, a grown man young man. And Isaac spake to Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? The fire, you have everything for the sacrifice. You have the fire, you have the wood, and you, I know you're going to offer up a sacrifice, but and, and Isaac was familiar with the thought that there had to be a burnt offering and a sacrifice. He says, Where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Notice what Abraham said. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. God will provide himself a lamb. You know, there's a double meaning in that statement. It means that God will provide himself a lamb. That he would be the provider and it would be that which he provides. It would be for God and it would be provided by him. And God did provide himself a lamb, didn't he? Even in the person of Christ. Uh, we won't have time to go into all the typical meaning, but let's go on to get and find this in verse 9. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid wood in order and bound Isaac his son, laid him on the, upon the, on the altar, upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, took the knife to slay his son. The angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. What, what was he saying? I'm still obedient. I'm still doing the will of God. Here I am. Here am I. And then what happened? He said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything to him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. He says, you, you fear God. You reverence God. You believe God. You're doing the will of God. And you're carrying out the word of God. And he says, Now I know the test of his faith was proven to be true. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there still had to be a sacrifice. And looked. And behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns, and Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son, in the place of his son. Here you have substitution. The, the type turns from Isaac, the one that was to be the sacrifice, to a substitute offered in his place. And so the ram then becomes the substitutionary sacrifice. And he offered him up in the, in the place of Isaac. And then it says in verse 14, and Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. And it means the Lord will see or provide. It says, uh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. The Lord will see or provide himself a lamb. So we find that uh, this whole incident pictures uh, God the Father in Abraham offering up his only begotten son in Isaac as a burnt sacrifice. You know what a burnt sacrifice was? A burnt offering? Now, it doesn't say here a sin offering, does it? Though Christ was offered up as a sin offering as well. But it says a burnt offering, a whole burnt sacrifice. That means completely consumed and devoted to God. And you know, if you, when we get over in the book of Leviticus and sum up the various offerings, the sin offering, the trespass offering, the peace offering, the meat offering, and the, and the other offerings, that are, there are five that are included there, uh, when we get over there and sum those up, we'll find that every one of them have a place in the offering of what Jesus offered on the cross of Calvary. And if you turn to Ephesians chapter 5, I believe it is, verse 2, it says this, And walk in love as Christ also had loved us, now listen to this statement, and hath given himself for us 
an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Now, the burnt offering was a sweet-smelling savor offering. But when Christ gave himself for us, this was the sin offering, offering for our sins. So there was something about Christ's death that was for us as a substitutionary sacrifice for our sins and trespasses and peace, but also the burnt offering, the whole burnt offering, was that which was a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. This was that which was devoted to God. So if you can see in the death of Christ, there's not only that which has to do with the removal of our sins by his sacrifice, but it shows that Jesus Christ was carrying out fully the will of God and was completely devoted to the plan and purpose of God when he died on the cross. You see, there's more than one aspect of the death of Christ. And you know, I believe by studying the Old Testament, you get a, a better picture of what all is involved when Jesus died on the cross. It was not only for our sins and for the trespasses, which the sins that we'll commit later, but it was for a peace offering to make peace with God. And it was a whole burnt offering or a whole burnt sacrifice showing his devotedness to God and carrying out the, the divine counsel and the plan of salvation and redemption for us. And you, all of that comes to to a light when we study the offerings in the book of Leviticus when we get over there. So let's hurry along now. Uh, in verse 15, the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. And then in verse 19, look. So Abraham returned unto his young men. What did he say when he left? I am the lad will what? Go yonder and worship and what? Come again unto you. So Abraham returned. You see, uh, it was fulfilled. The fact that uh, the, the sacrifice of Christ is typified, and not only that, the resurrection of Christ is typified in the sparing of Isaac and that he was alive again. Uh, verses 20 on down, you find the generation of Nahar down to Rebekah, which is important. Verses uh, 20 on down through 24. Now, let me briefly say this. The reason for this is because in a little while, we're going to see that Isaac and Rebekah are joined together. And so there's a reason to give Nahar, who is Abraham's what? Brother? The history are his descendants and the ones that are born unto him to show you the connection when Abraham sends his servant in just a little while, the next chapter, the 24th chapter, after we skip the 20, after we do the 23rd, in the 24th chapter when he sends his servant to fetch a bride, to get a bride for Isaac. And so we're going to see that in the 24th chapter. Now let's look at the 23rd chapter. And we'll just read a verse or two. It says, And Sarah was an hundred and seven and twenty years old. These were the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died in Kerjath Arbor, the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. In verse three, And Abraham stood up from before his dead and spake unto the sons of Heth, saying, I'm a stranger and a sojourner with you. Give me a possession of a burying place with you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And the rest of the chapter has to do with Abraham 
making a, an agreement and buying a bearing place uh, for his family. And we find that he buys it of the sons of Heth, and he pays 400 shekels of silver, current money with the merchant, and he buys, in verse 17, the field of Ephraim, which is, was in Machpelah, which was before Mamre, the field and the cave which was therein, and all the trees that were in the field that were in all the borders round about were made sure. In other words, they were uh, uh, certified, they were deeded to Abraham for a bearing place, unto Abraham for a possession in the presence of the children of Heth, before all that went in at the gate of the city, it was agreed upon. And after this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave uh, of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. And the field and the cave that is therein were made sure to Abraham for possession of a burying place by the sons of Heth. So he bought this place. And then in chapter 24, that's chapter 22, we see Abraham offering up Isaac. Chapter uh, 23, we see Sarah's death, and we see Abraham burying his wife. And then in chapter 24, Abraham was old. Verse 1, look at it. And well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house, this was Eliezer back in 15 verse 2, it says he was Eliezer, that ruled over all that he had, put I pray thee thy thigh thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. He didn't want Isaac to marry a Canaanitish woman. But he says, But thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. So I, the servant seeks out a, a bride, a wife, for Isaac. It says, The servant said unto him, Peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land. Must I needs bring thy son again to the land from whence thou camest? And Abraham said unto him, Beware that thou bring not my son thither again. The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house, from the land of my kindred, which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. He says, God is going to guide you and direct you. And he's going to send an angel before you to make sure that you can find a wife, a bride, for my son Isaac. And then uh, it says in verse 8, it says, uh, And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this mouth. Only bring not my son thither again. The servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master and swear to him concerning that matter. And the servant took ten camels of the camels of his master and departed for all the goods of his master were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia and to the city of Nahor. Now remember the last part of the chapter, of the 22nd chapter, I told you that Nahor's family was recorded there in order to connect us with Rebekah, whom we'll see in just a moment. It says in verse 11, he made uh, his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of the evening, even the time that women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city uh, uh, come out to draw water, and uh, let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say... Let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed 
for thy servant Isaac, that God is appointed thee for thy servant Isaac, and, and thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. So the servant, Eliezer, he says, I want this to happen. Whenever the young woman comes, and by the way, the word there, damsel, means a virgin. And so that when she comes, that I will know because of she'll say, she'll be the kind of person that will say, I want to give you something, to, I want to draw water for you, and I'll also draw water uh, for all of your camels. And he had ten, remember, by the way. So it says in verse 15, came to pass before he had done speaking that, behold, Rebekah came out who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor. So Bethuel was the son of Nahor. So that would make Rebekah now a second cousin. Because, see, Bethuel would be Isaac's cousin. Abraham and Nahor were brothers, right? So Isaac and Bethuel would be cousins, first cousins. And then Rebekah then, born to Bethuel would be a second cousin to Isaac. And in those days, they did marry in that uh, kind of a relationship because they had to earlier in, in the history of the, the world that uh, now, of course, people frown on that. Remember, Abraham married his half-sister, right? Sarah was a half-sister to Abraham. So you have to take all these things in consideration. But anyway, I just wanted to show you who it was. Now, verse uh, 16 says, And the damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin. Neither had any man known her. And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, Drink, my lord. And she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. And she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. Now, can you imagine ten camels out there? And they've just gotten through the journey. They say that camels drink from four to five gallons of water a day when it's hot weather. And, if they, and they can go a long time without water. They can go a long time without food and water. And they, uh, no telling how far he had had to come, I haven't calculated that out yet, but even for one day, say for instance they were they had been watered the day before and they were thirsty enough to drink what they ordinarily would drink in a hot uh, day, well they would drink four or five gallons apiece and for ten camels that's a barrel of water isn't it? <laughs> Quite a bit of water and so if they were real thirsty they might drink more than that. So anyway it shows her faithfulness and notice it says and the man, verse 21, And the man wondering at her held his peace, to wit whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. came to pass, as the camels had done drinking, that the man took a golden earring and a half shekel weight of a half shekel weight and two bracelets for hands, ten shekels weight, and said, Whose daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray thee, is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? And she said unto him, I am thy, the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, which she bare unto Nahar. And uh, she said, Moreover unto him, we have both straw and provender enough and room to lodge in. And the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not left uh, destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. And I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's uh, brethren. He was in the way that God led him. You know, just that one verse, the 27th verse, shows us that if we're in the way that God leads us, God's going to guide us and bless us and prosper us, but we want to be in that way for all of us, just as this servant was to Abraham. Verse 28, And the damsel ran and told him of her mother's house. Uh, these 
uh, these things. And Rebekah had a brother, and his name was Laban. Laban ran out uh, unto the man unto the well, and came to pass when he saw the earring and the bracelets upon his sister's hands. And when he heard the words of Rebekah, his sister, saying, Thus spake the man unto me, that he came unto the man, and behold, he stood by the camels at the well. And he said, Come in, thou blessed of the Lord, wherefore standest thou without? For I have prepared the house and room for the camel. So he was entertained there, and all of the provisions were made for him, and he stayed with them, and the Lord had prospered his way. And uh, then we get down to, uh, to the fact that they wanted to come on down to about verse... Uh, find where he quits rehearsing the same thing that we've just read. Let's drop down to verse uh, 48. And I bowed down my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master, because it's a very lengthy chapter, and we couldn't read every verse and give you the story. It says, uh, Abraham, which led me in the right way to take my master's brother's daughter unto his son. And now if you will deal kindly and truly, and by the way, even though it was his brother's daughter, uh, it was not actually his brother in the sense that Bethuel was his brother. Nahar was his brother. But Bethuel, many times they were called brothers, even though, see, it was Nahar's son, Bethuel, that bore, that bare uh, Rebekah. So you go a little further down the line. But in, in uh, Jewish reckoning, sometimes they'd call brother and father those that were a little more distant than the actual. And you have to understand that before you uh, pin it down and say, well, this was the brother's daughter, as it says here unto his son. And now if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing proceedeth from the Lord. We cannot but speak unto thee good or bad. Behold, Rebekah is before thee. Take her and go, and let her be as thy master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard their words, he worshipped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. And the servant uh, brought forth jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment and gave them to Rebekah. He gave also to her brother and her mother uh, precious things. They received gifts. And they did eat and drink. He and the men that were with him tarried all night. And they rose up in the morning and said, he said, send me away unto my master. And her brother and her mother said, let the damsel abide with us a few days, at least ten. Now, this can mean a lot of things in old time reckoning. Sometimes if you have a marginal reference, it will say a full year or ten months. And uh, sometimes it means a great deal of time. Sometimes it means uh, ten days. But at least ten here, it says a few days. You have a marginal reference. It says a full year or ten months. After that she shall go. And he said unto them, Hinder me not, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way. Send me away that I might go to my master. And they said, We will call a damsel and inquire uh, at her mouth. And they called Rebekah and said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? She said, I will go. They sent away Rebekah their sister and her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. They blessed Rebekah and said unto her, Thou art... Uh, our sister, be thou the mother of thousands, of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those that hate them, which hate them. Rebekah rose and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels and followed the man. The servant uh, took Rebekah and went his way. And Isaac came from the way of the well of Leith Haroi, for he dwelt in the south country. This is Isaac's well. And it says, uh, And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the eventide, lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were come. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. For she had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? 
And the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. The servant told Isaac all these things that he had done. And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after uh, his mother's death. So there's the story of the uh, receiving of, of a bride for Isaac. You know, it's typical, too. It's typical of this day and hour, the Holy Spirit searching out a bride for the Lord Jesus Christ. If Isaac's a picture of the Lord and, and Rebekah's a picture of his bride, then uh, the uh, servant is a picture of the Holy Spirit now through the Word of God seeking out, and according to the will of God, seeking out a bride for uh, Jesus Christ. And the church is going to be that bride. And is that right? And just as Rebecca was happy at the uh, union with Isaac, so are we going to be happy when the Lord takes us to be uh, up with him. And we find in the book of Revelation, talks the marriage of the Lamb. Then uh, in chapter 25, Then again Abraham took a wife, and her name was Keturah. Now remember, Sarah was dead. She bare him Zimrah and Jokshan, and we won't read all the sons. Verse uh, 4 says, The sons of Midian, Ephah, and Ephra, and Hanok, and Abadah. And it says, All these were the children of Keturah. Verse 5 says, And Abraham gave all that he had unto Isaac. Shows that he was heir of all things. Just as Christ is heir of all things from God. Verse 8 says, Then Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age, an old man full of years, and was gathered to his people. Then the story picks up with Isaac. In verse 9, his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah. Here's where they're joined together in one venture, the burial of their father. In the cave of Machpelah, the same place where he buried Sarah. Verse 10 says, the field which Abraham purchased of sons of Heth, there was Abraham buried and Sarah his wife. And it tells you in verse 12, the generations of Ishmael. It tells you in verse 19, the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Drop down to 25 verse 19. You see, 25 verse 12 tells us of the generations of Ishmael. That was the son by the bondwoman. Verse 19 drops down to the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Now let's read from verse 19 on down. It says, And these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begat Isaac. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of uh, uh, Padanaram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. Rebekah had no children. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children struggled with, uh, together within her. And she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb. Two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people. And the elder, look at this. Now here God... God says this to Rebekah. The elder shall serve the younger. That meant that the firstborn would not have the privileges of the firstborn, but the younger would get these privileges. And God had predicted this before the babies were born, before Esau and Jacob were born. And yet, look at all of the effort that Rebekah, that even Jacob, who is called a supplanter, goes to to try to make this sure of what God has already said. In other words, they're going to have to help him make this come to pass. Remember, just like we told you, old Sarah was trying to do for Abraham when he said, Take Hagar, the bondwoman. You've got to have a son. 
says, that's the only way you're going to have a son. You know, Sarah was barren. You remember we studied that. And every time that God promises something, it seems like that we as human beings try to put our hands in the matter and try to make it uh, like we think it ought to be. Well, God overrules that to still carry out His purpose and plan. It's just like when in Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost, he speaks of Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth a man of proved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you. And he says, you have taken, who is the first, he says, who was delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. God purposed it and God planned it. But he says, you have taken him and with wicked hands have crucified and slain. Now notice that. They were not doing anything but what God had purposed in the council halls of eternity. And they thought, and they were doing a wicked deed because from their own motives, now listen, from their own motivation, they were doing something that was wicked and cruel by taking Jesus. But by the same token, God had preordained and, and purposed and planned that this would be what would happen. So just because something meets God's purpose doesn't mean it excuses the wickedness of men in trying to do what they do. And the same thing here. When God said to uh, Rebekah, these two nations, the elder shall serve the younger, and so on. And said all, he said here, look at that verse again. It's very important. You have chapter 25? Look, verse 23. The Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. The one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. Now let's go and read what happened. When her days were uh, to be, when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, behold there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. You know what Jacob means? Supplanter. Jacob was just as crooked. In fact, he's the rascal of the two. He supplants everything. He tries to work it out his own way. way. In all things, and yet God had purposed that Jacob would be the one that would receive the, the blessing. Isn't that peculiar? How that God works things out? Sometimes we don't understand God's plans. We think, well, Jacob is such a supplanter that why didn't God just go ahead and let Esau be? But God had said that the, the elder shall serve the younger. Now, look, look what happens then. In verse 27, uh, it says, And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau, now look, Isaac, because he did eat of his venison. <laughs> Isaac was fleshly too, wasn't he? He said, oh, I love Esau because he goes hunting and they bring me that good venison. But, it says, but Rebekah loved Jacob. See? Rebekah preferred Jacob. Now look what happened. In verse 29 on down, it says, And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came. Look at this quickly. He sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field. And he was faint. He was so hungry, he couldn't even prepare himself something to eat. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. It means red, the red pottage. It was like, uh, say, you cook beans or you cook uh, lentils, and you mash them up. We might call them refried beans today. <laughs> That's what he fed him. Only probably was lentils. On down it says lentils. But it was mashed up and prepared. That was the pottage way it was prepared. And that, that's what he was desiring to eat. Okay, let's go and read it. And Jacob says, Sell me thy birthright. 
Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? And look, and Jacob said, Swear to me this day, and he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Well, he didn't have to. God had already said. Now listen, look what Jacob's doing. We talk about Esau being uh, weak in and just desiring to sell his birthright for a mess of pottage, and yet Jacob, the one that that bought it was just as bad because he was trying to buy it from his own brother in an hour of his wouldn't even feed his brother when he was hungry unless he could get this birthright. You know, usually we point at Esau and, and over in the New Testament it says Esau sold his birthright and he afterward found no place uh, to change his mind. He sought it carefully with tears. And then we go on and find what uh, Isaac does later on in blessing Jacob in the next chapter. We get into it. And what happened? But all of it was crooked dealing, even from Jacob and Rebekah and all the way through, to try to affirm something and secure something that God had already said that's the way it's going to be. So you see, even though God had said the elder shall serve the younger, it doesn't mean that men are excused from their deviousness to try to bring it to pass. The sin is still there. The crookedness is still there. Jacob is called supplanter. So let's go on down and read it. It says uh, in verse uh, 33, uh, And Jacob said, Swear unto me this day, and he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. I want you to follow on down chapter 26. And there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerah. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down uh, into Egypt. You know, that's what the mistake his father made. Remember, Abraham went down to Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. So, sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee and will bless thee. And for unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give thy seed uh, and these these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. He reaffirmed what promise he had made to Abraham. Remember? He promised Abraham, now he's renewing that promise in Isaac. And he says in verse 5, Because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge and my commandments and my statutes and my law. And Isaac dwelt in Gerah. And the men of the place asked him of his wife. And he said, She is my sister. For he feared to say she is my wife. Where did he get this? Twice over, Abraham did this, didn't he? As father as son, right? You don't think you don't sow what you reap and people follow your pattern? Look at Isaac. He says, Daddy did this. I can get by with it. <laughs> now watch. Watch what happened. He said, She's, uh, She is my sister, for he feared to say she is my wife. Said he, The men of the place should kill me for Rebekah because she was fair to look upon. Came to pass when he had been there a long time <clears throat> that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out a window and saw, and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah, his wife. He was taking liberties with her that would not even be considered except that they were married, that they were a couple. You don't know. He might have reached over and pinched her or something. He might have been hugging her. He might have been naked a little bit. I don't know what all he's doing. But anyway, whatever it was, it's forbidden if they were just... If that was his sister, somebody else. So that's permissible if you're husband and wife, you know, to do that kind of thing. So anyway, go on. I'll get into some deep water here if I don't. In verse 9, it says, And Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, of a surety she is thy wife, and how saidest thou she is my sister? And Isaac said unto him, Because I 
I said, lest I die for her. And Abimelech said, what is this that thou hast done to us? Same thing. He had to rebuke Isaac, didn't he? Just like he did Abraham. Abimelech said, what is this that thou hast done unto us? One of thy people might lightly have lined with thy wife, and thou shouldest have brought guiltiness upon us. They realized in those days that adultery was a sin in the sight of God. said, if this is your wife, we could have committed a sin. Now it's not even considered anything hardly. They run around with one another. People sleep with one another. And it's very little thought of. But in those days, they knew what it was. And uh, going down, what it says. It says, uh, that thou shouldest have brought guilt, guiltness upon us. In verse uh, 11, Abimelech charged all his people, saying, He that touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Look at that. Look at that conviction of Abimelech. He says, don't touch this woman. This is Isaac's wife. And if you do, you'll surely be put to death. Then Isaac says, sold in that land and received in the same year an hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. 